Hello and welcome to Cult Classic Society, the podcast where I, Bobby Davis, and my pal, Tim Martini, say hi, Tim. Hello. We go through movies, we go through TV, we go through video games, we go through books, comic books, any kind of media you like, we like it too. We're going to go through it. Today we're going to be going through one that, at the end of the last episode, I gave everyone a bit of a warning. There is some controversial content. Most of the content of three out of four of the episodes we're looking at is is okay, with the little dabbles of not so nice stuff. But then there is one episode which we will talk about, which does have it, especially one scene that is not great, <laughs> hasn't no. aged well at all. No, it has not. Okay, but before we get to that, how are you doing, Tim? I'm doing really well. It's been quite a good couple of weeks for me, actually. First off, saw John Wick 4. Masterpiece. We will be covering that once it comes out on home media. The Resident Evil 4 remake came out. Masterpiece. And last night, I went to a early premiere of Evil Dead Rise, which again, fantastic. So, I've had a great few weeks. And you've added to the list, I see. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> 40 Towers. Yes. Uh, first series, 1974, written by John Cleese and Connie Booth. The show has been ever heavily edited for streaming platforms and even when it now gets replayed on TV. Much to uh, John Cleese's chagrin. I read a thing where he called people cowards for doing it. Of um, course he did. He, he, I think he claims that there should be maybe just a disclaimer instead. So, the Fawlty Towers, that gets shown on daytime TV, I'm guessing. On channels like uh, UK Gold, yes. But, like, during the day, like, afternoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then, no, it shouldn't be put on TV. <laughs> um, it shouldn't have... It should be censored, I think. Especially the scene that's in one of the episodes. Yeah, that scene should not be shown on TV um, during the day. Maybe in the evening, but not during the we'll, day. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. Yeah. As I said, it was written by John Cleese and Connie Booth. They uh, were real-life husband and wife. Oh. Connie Booth, he's who plays Polly. Yes. Yeah, and they were married at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, much to, it doesn't look like it, they were a very similar age. John Cleese looks a lot older. Yes. And Prunella Scales, who plays Sybil, yeah. is quite a bit older than John Cleese. But because of his receding hairline and yeah. his gangly features, he just looks older. And uh, the doesn't help, I would say. No, yes, exactly. They actually wrote their own genders lines so Cleese wrote all the male lines and Booth wrote most of the female lines okay. to give it some kind of from that perspective properly done kind yeah. of thing rather than John Cleese writing for women yeah. which he probably you know may not have been great at I don't know it's based on a real hotel and a real hotelier really <laughs> when the guy found out he was not pleased but his daughter Said it's a really accurate, accurate representation. It said, <laughs> "Yeah, that's Daddy." <laughs> <laughs> one, one little nod. Uh, we spoke about in our two episodes ago when we did Detective Pikachu. We obviously spoke about Ryan Reynolds yes. and spoke about Deadpool. Forty Towers is referenced in Deadpool. Is it? It is indeed. So when Deadpool is strapped to the bed and he's getting the treatment to give yeah. him the powers he doesn't know Ajax he's trying to find out Ajax's real name he lists off four or five names and the last one he says in a really over the top English accent is is it Basil Fawlty? oh god so he's a bit I I, assume, I think he's a bit of an Anglophile because obviously he, he bought Wrexham FC and yeah yeah I don't know but yeah there is a there is a reference to Fawlty Towers in Deadpool interesting I feel like that joke went over so many American heads then 
Uh, undoubtedly, that was that was for us. <laughs> well, people 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 older than us, really. Cause yeah. This is, you know, this came out fifteen years before I was born, and got twenty five before you. And I would say like. No one in that generation was probably watching Deadpool. So. Probably not. He did it for himself, clearly. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Before we get started, Tim, before we go into our episodes, what did you know about 40 Towers before? Um, I knew Sean Cleese. I knew the name Manuel. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is the two reference points a lot of people know, I think. Um, especially with the controversy with Andrew Sachs and Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross a few years back. Was that the prank call yes. controversy? Yes. So Andrew Sachs, who plays Manuel, they yes. called him and on Radio 2, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, said some not very nice things. Yeah. I don't really want to go into it, if I'm honest with you. First of four episodes we're going to be looking at is Series 1, Episode 4, Hotel Inspectors. Yes. When you start off, Tim. First thing I noted was the sign says 42er. Yes, so every episode, the sign is vandalised in a different way. Yes. Sometimes you even see a kid doing it. Like, changing the letters around. Yes. He's not always there, but he's there a couple of times. Basil is in the reception with um, Sybil, his wife. So Basil is the lead, played by John Cleese. Cleese, And Sybil is his wife, played by Prunella Scales. She's having a very, very, very loud phone call. She is. And all I wrote was, I hate loud phone call conversations. You you know those people, when they'll have a phone call, and they'll have their phone on speaker as well. So you hear both sides of the conversation. I like to call those people obnoxious pricks. And I have a harsher word for them. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we do swear on this podcast, but there is one word we haven't dropped yet. And maybe we'll still save that for a while. I feel like we need to save it for a special occasion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Sybil is quite obnoxious on the phone. Apparently the laugh she puts on is based on Connie Booth's real laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't get to hear it, but there's a, a tidbit that uh, is apparently out there. First thing, another first thing I noticed is they're smoking inside. Yeah, I know. It's How weird so is that? fascinating. I actually, I'm just old enough to, I worked in a pub. The first year I worked in a pub at 18 to 19 years old was the last year you were allowed to smoke in a pub. Really? So I have a very small reference window for it. That's, um, that's it. I've never seen that. I've only seen it in like 80s movies. Yeah, it's mad, right? It's, it's, it's weird now that you think, why was it ever allowed? Yeah. Basil obviously looks incredibly annoyed and I think although this is the fourth episode within 30 seconds you understand their relationship it's dysfunctional to say the least <laughs> yeah like obviously you, you want this kind of thing established in the fourth episode in the first episode but by the fourth episode you can without words you can see they kind of detest each other yeah a hotel guest comes to the front desk Mr Hutchinson played by the late great Bernard Cribbins. Yes, Bernard Cribbins of... Uh, so much fame. <laughs> so of Doctor Who. Yes. and Which will be his final role, because that's the last thing he filmed before he died, and he's in the 60th anniversary that drops this year. Oh, is he really? I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Uh, I was actually... Uh, the song Right Said Fred. Yeah. Not the band Right Said Fred. The song <laughs> Right Said Fred. That was that was Bernard Cribbins. Yes, and this guy... Have you ever worked in customer service, Tim? Yes. This guy... I've already used the word once. He's an obnoxious as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He... Well, he doesn't want to use their phone because he he could get a risk of infection. Because he wants to make a phone call, but he doesn't want to use their phone. He wants them to call the taxi for him. 
it's weirdly that it's weirder that's more relevant now than it was <laughs> yeah. in the 1970s because we've had a big uh, pandemic and weirdly now it makes more sense. Basil and Sybil do also argue over who should serve him, yeah. which I find quite funny. And then he starts to speak and I said, my notes say, this customer is a Ponzi prick. Yes. <laughs> he he starts one sentence with the with the phrase, it matters not one whit. It's like, this is the 70s, not the 1920s. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he reminds me of, you know in The Simpsons, the guy who's had the stroke? Yes. yes. He really reminds me of him. <laughs> I love how how annoyed Basil gets at this guy. Yeah, I just thought it was like, immediately, Basil is already done with this man. So there's a really good joke right then. The guy obviously asked for a taxi, as you said, and Basil says... You want a taxi? And he says, in a nutshell, and he says, case more like. <laughs> like half under his breath, obviously like a screen whisper. Yeah. But he's like, we've all done that. If you've worked in customer service, you've walked away from someone being like, wanker, what a fucking dick. <laughs> so I used to work customer service on a phone line, actually. Yeah. So every few seconds, like, I just press the mute button and go, you're a prick. And then yeah. unmute. You utter cunt. Oh, I've said oh. it, I've said it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we'll, we'll believe that. <laughs> when the customer, the, the customer then requests... A diagram of the local town. Yes. This is the kind of prick that I have dealt with in my customer service times. He want you to go above and beyond something you... These are services you do not offer as part of this establishment. Exactly. He is not a cartographer. He yeah. does not need to draw you a map. He can give you directions vocally. Like, yeah. Fuck off, you prick. Manuel arrives, and this is where some of the shakiness starts. Yes. So the character of Manuel is massively well-loved and also considered a little problematic. He, he Both him, uh, both Andrew Sachs and John Cleese have gone on record as saying he's not, a, the, the thing is, he's not a stupid foreigner, which is what people accuse it of being. It's that he isn't good at English and Basil isn't good at Spanish and Basil's a bit of a bully. Okay, but the way Manuel acts is like the village idiot. Yes. So uh, this is what they say. What's on screen is often different to that. Yes. There are points where you can almost glean what they're saying, but most of the time it makes Manuel out to be a moron. Yeah, that's often the punchline of his scenes. Yeah. And the fact is he walks with a hunch. Just to hide from Basil, hide. though, mostly. But no, even when in the late scene when he's like in the dining room, he's still walking with that hunch. He's very nervous like on edge and it's like okay you are and he's making like a lot of mistakes and a lot of it can't just be up to like he doesn't understand english like no you are treating him like he's an idiot yeah and the fact that basil bullies him makes it worse for yes. sure and also this is clearly a white man who's wearing a lot of heavy makeup he is yes he's part german i think uh andrew Sachs. but yeah he's he's a white guy they uh, people have said Played exactly the same way, but by an Hispanic person, yeah. it would be less problematic. Still problematic, but yeah. less problematic. Andrew Sachs has come out and said, "Well, if he's meant to, be, if Manuel is meant to be a general interpretation of stupid foreigners, quote unquote, then what does that make Basil as a representation of the English, which is a wanker?" Yes, <laughs> but it's it's not a good enough point to kind of undo. No. Now this now the, the problems that rise through pretty much every episode is is the interpretation of Manuel. Yes. Um, only one other episode has something really like that goes beyond that, which we will obviously we will talk about. Yeah. But my thing, going back to Andrew Sachs's statement, is every other character, except for one, 
which is the Doctor in, in the Germans episode, is white. Yes. And British. And yeah, or played by a white British person. Exactly. Or, yeah. You have different facets of what an English person is, but in this show you've put one foreign person as yeah. like a main character, and that is who you're pushing the entire time. That is your representation. That is your foreign representation, and and they're a joke. Yeah. They, he never gets like a one-up on Basil or anything. He's constantly punched down. As a spoiler, he never does. I, I, yeah, cause Don't I, get me I, wrong, Basil gets comeuppance, but none of it's from Manuel. And that's the problem. If Manuel... A couple of times got a one up on him. I wouldn't say he would make it better, but it could alleviate some of the issues. But when you have a white man punching down yeah. the stupid foreigner, because that's what he is, that's when it becomes an issue. Yeah, agreed. Saying all of that, there is a next bit when after Manuel arrives that I do quite like. They use flashcards to communicate quickly. Yes. <laughs> so Basil's got three flashcards: one that's a picture of a suitcase, yeah. one that points upstairs, and one that says seven. room seven. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that works. <laughs> There is a there's a communication barrier that works. Yeah, that reminds me when I was studying French, and that's how we would like uh, communicate to like quickly remember how to say something in French. Oh, nice, nice. I was never regular languages, like most British people. Yeah. So Sybil starts getting on Basil for being rude to the guests, and Basil is immediately like, "Well, some of them deserve it." And having <laughs> again worked in customer service for a long time, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Then Mr. Hutchinson has a insane request. He's asking to reserve the televisual feast. So he would want them to put it on the screen for him. I've got the quote here if you want me to say it properly. Please do. Uh, is it possible for me to reserve the BBC Two channel for the duration of this televisual feast? And then Basil says, why don't you talk properly? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, 100%. We also see the major in this scene who lives in the hotel, an older man. There's a few uh, permanent residents in the hotel. Yes. He's one of them. This is where, uh, after he said that, Basil kind of puts two and two together and realises this man might be the hotel inspector. Doesn't Sybil mention that a friend of hers was in a pub and heard about three inspectors? Oh, yeah. So that was before the scene where uh, Mr. Hutchins, Hutchinson comes back. After, yeah, he then comes back. And after the again. conversation about Basil being rude to the guests, Sybil tells him... Her friend overheard that there are three hotel inspectors in the town. It's based in Torquay, by the way. Yes. And then when Miss Hutchinson comes back, he's like, yes, it's just, we will do that for you. He has to, like, he acts overly nice to him now. He completely changes his attitude and starts, like, simping to this moron. Yeah. <laughs> this is when Polly comes along. Yes. Polly, played by Connie Booth, then wife of John Cleese. They were divorced by the time they recorded Series 2. Really? Yes, yes, they were. But clearly still amicable because they wrote together and stuff. Yeah. Basil starts lunch early for Mr. Hutchinson and Polly, among, among me, uh, uh, like with first meeting Mr. Hutchinson, realises what a cunt he is and gives him so much sass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is. She doesn't care. So much deserved sass. So what I like about the character of Polly and having worked with young people, especially when they've got a part-time job that's secondary to, say, their studies, which yeah. is what Polly's character is, they don't care about that part-time job. No. Not really. So she's so willing to just be like, all right, you're an idiot. Like, without saying it, but saying it with her eyes. Yeah. And with her tone of voice. Speaking of the way people say things, the way Mr. Hutchinson pronounced vegetables. <sighs> vegetables. Fuck off. I know people who say it like that, and it actually upsets me. Ponzi bastards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Joining her in the dining room as this happens, there is a man who I would say looks much more like a hotel inspector. Yes. 
kind of a well-to-do tall man, says good afternoon to Basil. This is the character of Mr. Waltz. Mr. Waltz, that's the character, yes. Uh, Manuel immediately misunderstands everything he says. Yes. When he can't find the English word, starts to just speak in Spanish. Yeah. And obviously this man, Mr. Waltz, possible hotel inspector, does not understand what he's saying. So in a way, his Spanish is worse than Manuel's English. Let's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Basil comes back to find that Manuel has put Mr. Waltz in Mr. Hutchinson's space and he gets upset because he now believes that Hutchinson is the hotel inspector. And this is where he starts to do his proper gangly comic movements. And he's Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey. He's ganglier, he's taller, and he still moves like him but with even longer limbs. Yeah, it's a sight to behold, to be honest. Basil moves Mr. Waltz back. Yeah. And he starts to get annoyed, obviously. Hutchinson returns. Oh my god, I've just written no, I hate him. I fucking hate him. <laughs> love- I, I just feel like I love him so much, like, because it's Bernard Cribbins and just like knowing how nice of a person Bernard Cribbins was and then how much he's just committing to be this utter arsehole. It's like a good heel in wrestling. Yeah. Like, most good heels are played by genuinely nice people. Yeah. And he's just got it down, hasn't he? He makes you hate him. And I love, yeah, like you said, I love Bernard Cribbins. He's great. But it's this moment where you, you feel sorry for Basil, even though Basil is a prick. Elaborate, why do you feel sorry for him? Because, as we said, we work in customer service. Even though the person you're serving is a complete dick, you are technically at their mercy because you oh, yeah. have to be nice to them because it is your, it can be your job on the line. It could be your, re- or like your establishment's reputation. So you are at this customer's mercy because there's a stupid rule that people like to spout. And if you believe in this rule, you're a fucking idiot. They always say the customer's always right. No, you're fucking not. Is the customer always right or the person who's been trained to do the job right? Exactly. (laughs) The customer isn't right. The customer who says that is entitled. Yes, an entitled prick. I 100% agree. Having said that, with Basil now simping to Mr. Hutchinson, the guest who's been nice to him, Mr. Waltz, who hasn't done anything wrong, he's just yeah. been, hello, can I have lunch, please? He's being a right knobty. Yeah. <laughs> and but he's doing it in front of Hutchinson, who he believes is a hotel inspector, which is even funnier. Because surely a hotel inspector's got to witness what you do to other guests as well. Well, he's trying to distract him, go, oh, you're sorted, and then goes, turns around to Mr. Walt. But it's clearly, yeah, if he's an inspector, he's going to be paying attention to what the head of the hotel was doing. Yeah, he then, uh, Mr. Waltz asked for uh, wine, which Basil struggles to open. I've wrote that as amazing physical comedy. Say say what you want about the writing on this. You cannot fault John Cleese's physical comedy. Every single thing he does to try and get a laugh with his body, yeah. he knocks it out of the park. This was pre-Monty Python, wasn't it? Post, no, it's post-Monty Python. Post-Monty Python? The hotel that he stayed at, where he got the idea, they were staying at while they were shooting Python. Oh. Yeah. And he would stay there a lot because they were shooting the same place. Yeah. Wait, but was this, I guess this was also, was this was pre-movies though? Uh, yeah, I believe so, but yeah. post-TV show. Post-TV show, okay. Yeah. Basil gets annoyed because the customer complains that the, the wine is bad. It's corked. Uh, corked. And he's like, what do you mean? I just opened it in front of you. <laughs> and it's like, it's clearly, it's clear it's corked because when he poured the wine, dribbles were coming out. So, it clearly, broke, yeah. so clearly the cork was still inside. Yes. Uh, and then Basil gets upset that he's going to have to pay for that bowl. Uh, which is part of that's uh, that's called wastage. It happens yes. every business. Sybil, now this is this is uh, an invasion of privacy and tells you who Sybil really is. 
She listens in on Hutchinson's phone call that he has and finds out that he's not a hotel inspector. He sells spoons. But I love it so much because the moment he fi- that Basil finds that out, a gear switches in his head. And he's like, I can be rude to him again. He goes super saiyan rude. <laughs> he's like, he actually struggles to hold it in. Yeah. Like he's like, I would, he would just be screaming at him, but he just just does it through his teeth and he's just oh you sell spoons because then he kind of thinks oh maybe the other guy Mr. Walt yeah is the inspector considering how he is dressed how he talks and everything he could be talks about you know clearly has a knowledge of wine yes. and wearing a good suit and yeah he could he could well be when there's all the kerfuffle going on Hutchinson drops another line that makes me want to punch him which is I have been given an erroneous dish. Yes. Oh, oh they shut keep, up. Because they keep getting his orders wrong. Because all he all he wants is was an omelette. Yeah, and then he changes it, right? He changes to a salad. To a salad, but then they give him like a steak, sausages, and he's getting like so mad. And there's like an unseen chef somehow getting this wrong. Basil asked Manuel what happened to the bottle of wine that was on Mr. Walsh's table. And this is where he we first get to see all the real bullying of Manuel. Yes. He calls him a waste of space, then conks him on the head with a metal spoon. And yeah. it sounds grim. It sounds painful. That's already like a big dagger in the idea that he's not an idiot. The main character is calling him an idiot. Yeah. He's calling him a waste of space. Basil is trying to impress Mr. Watt with his knowledge of wines. And he goes, ah, oh, like Bordeaux. And he's like, do you think it's a Bordeaux or a Claret? And Mr. Watt goes, a Bordeaux is a Claret. <laughs> Make him so Basil clearly wants to be. He's a bit like Del Boy in that he from Only Fools and Horses. He wants to be more of the upper class than he actually is. Yeah, and he's not as educated about stuff like wines and stuff. But he wants to give off the opinion that he is. These these moments happen almost in every episode. Yeah, where he he makes a prat of himself. I, I can just say when I used to work in as a wait service, I'd have to be like the person who like would open the wine and pour it, and then have to describe what the wine is. So before we go out, we just like scan the bottle, get the year, <laughs> the location, and the grape, and just be like, "Cool, just remember all this." And then as we're pouring, like the one hand is poor, oh. he has to make eye contact with everyone and go, "This is a, like this is a Bordeaux from seventeen ninety nine. It's like seventeen ninety nine. That's probably gone bad by then, mate. <laughs> oh no, the older the better, apparently. <laughs> That's yeah, I can do a job like that, and I actually wouldn't want to be served like that either. Nope, I quit after two months. <laughs> I'm, I'm much more, yeah. I, 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 not only am I a more relaxed person, I want people to be more relaxed around me. I, don't, yeah. I can't, can't be doing with that shit. As Basil chases Manuel back into the kitchen, he uh, sexually assaults him. Yeah. Grabs his ass. Now another <laughs> wrong order comes out for Mr. Hutchinson, which is now a lamb casserole. And then Basil asks Polly, he didn't order a lamb casserole, so why has he got one? Polly says, Miss Fawlty told me to give him one. And Basil says, I know how she feels. <laughs> 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 Which is a good line. And they have a bit where like Basil insults uh, Mr. Hutchinson. Because what did you say? It's like, no, I was talking to Polly. And they have this bit where they're staring at the other person and then talking to the other person. So he's staring at Mr. Hutchinson and say, oh, I'm talking and talking to Polly. And Polly goes along with it. You told me she like, no, I didn't. He was talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like they just they both spend uh, like what, what, a forty second conversation. Yeah. Saying stuff to one person but looking at the other to try convince Hutchinson that he's completely wrong. Yeah, even though that is what Basil did, which is really good. Manuel kind of comes back in and he runs like, like you said, low and crouching and scared of Basil, yeah. trying not to get. He's holding his ass and his head. Yeah, which is I don't want to be clonked with a spoon or have my ass grabbed again. 
which is not a safe space. No. 42 hours is not a safe space to work. Hutchinson gets another wrong meal, <laughs> starts to get really annoyed and stand up for himself. Yeah. And this is where Basil just talks over him because obviously he doesn't want Waltz to hear. <laughs> just tries to silence him. <laughs> so like, yeah, grabs him around the throat, starts laughing really loudly. Hutchinson gets even more upset. Basil basically accidentally chokes him out. Yeah. <laughs> and I put here, I'm glad he got hurt. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He deserved it. Basil and Manuel then grab Hutchinson and take him away and Sybil calls the doctor about it. Yeah. While Basil's, he's back at the front desk dealing with someone, dealing with uh, Mr. Waltz. Yeah. And Hutchinson kind of regains consciousness and comes around and beats Basil up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He assaults him. <laughs> he beats the shit out of him. And Basil pretends that it's all part of their, like he's a regular customer. Yeah. It's all fun and games. <laughs> he loves to have a have a fight. Then Basil offers Waltz £50, not to write about it, £50 yeah. in the 70s. That's a lot of money. That's like over a week's wages for most people. Probably yeah. over a month for a fair few people at that time. Basil gets worried and says, don't put this in the guide. And he says, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned it. What have I done? <laughs> Basil starts like this insane crying. It's <laughs> pleading. John Cleese's performance in this, the, one of the reasons this is so loved and regarded is Cleese's performance. His comic timing and his delivery is unreal. That's it, like, despite things he says in current day. Yeah. He has a... He understands comedy. And there's a reason why he is arguably the breakout star of Monty Python. Of the Pythons, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason that to this day he's still writing comedy. Yes. And performing it. At this point in the episode... Uh, three hotel inspectors come in. <laughs> yes. And as they stand, wait for it to be served, Basil and Manuel come out with cream pies. Yes. And put yeah. one in Hutchinson's face and then down his trousers, right? Yeah. yeah. My favourite thing what, is this moment where Basil goes up to the um, reception. He's like, What do you find three chance men want? Pauses for a second and then screams. Like just a guttural, such a loud <laughs> scream. It's a perfectly cut scream as well. When um, Basil and Manuel are hitting with the cream pies and then filling his suitcase with the cream pies, despite their language barrier, that seemed well planned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the timings were great. Another, like, two very good physical by Andrew Sachs as well. The physical act of pieing yeah. Hutchinson and then walking to the desk and then that scream, all in one take, if I remember yes. rightly. Uh, very well, like, kind of put together, well timed, just good performance. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. What did you think? I th- of the hotel inspectors. I thought it was really good. I think it's a really good introduction to everyone, the dysfunction of the hotel itself, and how dysfunctional Basil is as a character. As a human being. Yes, as a, <laughs> as a, as a, as a person, yes. My issue is, I don't think there's enough of Sybil. Sybil comes and goes. There are other episodes where she's very prominent and episodes where she's less prominent. She's definitely the foil to Basil. Basil yeah. is the lead character. She is the foil. She's the one who makes his life harder. Yeah. She doesn't... In fact, Prunella Scales and uh, Sybil, ha- she has some of the best lines in all of the series. Yeah. And she delivers them impeccably. Apparently, though, some of them were the, the, the more mean ones. She didn't want to deliver. Or didn't like there's bits where she hits Basil and she just didn't want to do it. Prunella Scales didn't want to do it because she's apparently like was a super nice woman. She sounds so lovely, <laughs> and it's like 
Oh, go on, just do it, just hit him. Go on. But her performance was amazing. Like you, you wouldn't ever think yeah. that she was reticent to be aggressive towards John Cleese. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so we're going to move on to the episode that we spoke about being controversial. We're going to do it now for two reasons. One, I thought about doing it at the end. Yeah. But I thought that's going to be a downer for the end of the episode. Although the worst thing happens earlier on in the episode. Two, this is the chronological order. Yeah. So I thought this is probably just the best way to do it. Get it out of the way in the middle of the epi- in the middle of our episode. I feel like we're going to end up having like a meaty discussion on it, and obviously you don't want to have that discussion right at the end. No, I'd rather end light. Yeah. Yes, and considering what our last episode is, yes, I think that is. Yes. So it opens with Basil visiting Sybil in the hospital. This is the only scene in all two series not set at the hotel. Yes, and because I was very curious, like, where's the vandalised sign? (laughs) Four-fifths of the episode is still in the hotel, but it's the only scene set outside of the hotel. Sybil reminds Basil that he needs to do a fire drill. And then they talk about the idea that they scrape the mould off of the cheddar. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. oh uh, man, no. So grim. I know it's the 70s, but there must have been health standards. Yeah, um, yeah, you'd imagine so. Sybil was in the hospital for having an ingrown nail. Ingrown toenail, yeah. Ingrown toenail, which is... Ah. You don't have surgery for those anymore if it's not too bad. They use like a silver nitrate thing. Yeah. And it pr- makes the skin pull back and you can cut it away. Well, that's good. I mean, I've never experienced that and yeah. I hope I never will. Um, but so <laughs> my favourite lines are the nurse comes in and she's like, oh, the doctor will be here shortly. He goes, my God, a doctor in a hospital? Just before that, there is a story beat, which is where Sybil reminds Basil that he has to put the moose head up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yes, as you say, the nurse comes in and she tries to Usher Basil out. That line you said was great. There's another great line where she goes, come on, now out. And he goes, are you talking to me? I thought there was a dog in here. You know what? He's right. Yeah. There's another classic sitcom that we're going to cover called One Foot in the Grave. Okay. 90s, not as controversial. Lead character, Victor Meldry, very old man. Everyone can, like, he's got the archetype of the grumpy old man. And I've watched it recently, again. 99% of the time, he is 100% right. <laughs> Someone is being an arsehole and he's standing up for himself. Yeah. And But he's still got this thing because he's a, an old man. He's the grumpy old man. And sometimes Basil embodies that. He's right. She's being a dick. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> so Basil finally walks out of the room because he finally gets ushered out. And then the doctor appears. And for a second he's intimidated because the doctor is black. He literally backs away and he goes, and he goes, I'm the doctor. Oh, and then he straightens up. When I first watched that bit, I was like, is that... Because the, the rest of the content of this episode, then I thought, what he's done there, what I think they've done anyway, is they've written that as Basil is a prick. Yes. Like Basil is a lower middle class racist because he's in the 70s. Yeah. Just an asshole, right? And I sat and thought about it for a while, and I, was, I re-watched that, just the clip, and the scene doesn't read in a racist way, apart from, well, I suppose it's not for me to say, to me, the scene doesn't read that they've written it to be a jab at race. It it, it comes to me that it's a jab at racists. Yes. Like, the character of Basil is clearly a little bit racist. Yeah. So the second a black man walks in, he's scared. Yeah. When it turns out the black man's the doctor, he kind of settles down. Yeah. But there is that moment where you go, Basil, you, you yeah. dick. I was just on your side 30 seconds ago. Exactly. I was like, oh, fuck. He gets told, oh, yeah, your wife will be in pain in, in she'll experience some pain in the morning. 
and the look of glee on his face <laughs> when he finds that out. There is one more bit where he says to the nurse, just before he leaves, he says, ingrown toenail, right foot, you'll find it at the end of the leg, <laughs> which was really funny. Uh, as he leaves, he goes out of the room and he claps his hands. Yeah. And do you notice how he starts the next scene? Is he clapping his hands? Claps his hands. Yeah. But he's at the hotel. So it's like, he repeats the motion, which... <laughs> he's been clapping the whole way I think, there. I think, yeah. Because he's, he's so he's so gleeful that she's going to have a painful surgery. <laughs> I think if I was editing that, I would have cl- cut one of those claps. I can't like it. No, but I do like I just imagine him just clapping <laughs> the entire way home. Well, home, hotel. Yeah. She's going to get... Well, he lives at the hotel, so it is home. This is the scene that's going to be quite hard for us to discuss, I think. And I think... <sighs> we, we may have to... We're not going to say what he says. It's, it's oh, awful. absolutely. And no. there's absolutely no way it should be repeated. And a lot of people won't have even heard it because, like I said, it's not readily available, this thing. Basil, when Basil gets back to the hotel, he immediately is greeted by the Major. The Major is a very old man, former... He's called the Major because he's obviously a former military man. Yes. He First thing he does, actually, ask him about Sybil. And then he kind of goes on a bit of a tirade about women first. Yeah. Saying this. He says that they're strange creatures. I knew one once. Yes. <laughs> Which was like, right, weird, weird thing to say. And then he drops an N-bomb. Yeah. And... and, and sorry, go on. The other word. I don't know. Can we say that word? Like, I don't know if that word... Uh, I would say not. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he, he drops two racial slurs, the N-bomb and another yeah. one beginning with W. Yes. That are... Not wanker. We should stress that. <laughs> that is not a racial slur, Tim. <laughs> it's a slur, and obviously some people might not know what this term is, actually, because I don't think it's commonly used now. No, no, it's, it's nowhere near as used. It was definitely prevalent in the 70s. Uh, the Major drops these racial slurs in reference to South Asian cricket team, which is is, is perplexing, because he, he, he talks about how much he's enjoying cricket and then drops racial slurs. Yes. And then Basil, actually Basil doesn't even react to them. He kind of is like, oh, okay. And then like fobs the major off a bit. Because I was going to say, the laugh track, they laugh at that. And if this was done in modern day, like now with a laugh track, there would be gasping. Because it would be like, he said that. But here it's like, oh, he said that. That's so funny. And it's like, it seems commonplace. I think if it was to be written today, you would find it played for, he's a... an ignorant old man, yes. and Basil would be more shocked, and the audience would gasp. Yes, I don't think that's what they were they were playing at. Basil mm. doesn't react enough for it to be that. He's, but Basil kind of just sh- shrugs it off. It, in his in his mind, why I don't want him being this conversation, not because you've said that, more because I just want to have a conversation with you. Yeah, you old codger, get away from me. <laughs> yes, and it's just it. Yeah, it doesn't hold up. You can see why this scene has been scrubbed. From streaming services because, I mean, streaming services and daytime TV. Because you put us on daytime TV, that's insane. I feel like there's always been a little bit of controversy about this, and a lot of people don't even know about this scene because of the stuff with Manuel, because of the stuff later in this episode, which yes. by comparison is tame. Oh, absolutely. especially at the time it was filmed. Yes, but this is yeah. This is has John Cleese addressed this? No, I've not. I've not found anything specific about he, this scene. Because he wrote that. Yes, he would have written that. Yes. So, and he, as you said, thinks it should. This shouldn't be censored. 
for as far as my reading goes, he is he's used the word cowards about the censoring of the show, with the presumption that you would put a warning about the time it was written and. My only only argument is if you're gonna put it on there, you put this on streaming services, you mark this episode eighteen. Oh yeah, and you put a warning, massive say, disclaimer, massive disclaimer at the time, blah 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 blah, because yeah, Disney but, do it now. They put disclaimers on their old stuff. Exactly, except Songs of the South that has not been re <laughs> redistributed, and that never and will. Yeah, rightly so. And this is. It's weird that we chose to record this at the time because there was a thing that came out in the news yesterday about a Tory politician as well. Yes. It's an odd time to be recording this. Yeah, and... So my thing is, yes, I can understand why this has been removed, especially on TV. I do agree with the sense that for preservation's sake and stuff, yes, this should be cats, but there should be heavy guidelines on where and who watches. I think my opinion on it is... In the BBC vaults, there should be the full version kept. Yes. Current DVDs, current streaming, you should just cut this scene. It adds nothing to the story. If it, I think if if you were to cut it and it would take something away from the story, there would be more of a thing to say, either the episode feels incomplete or whatever. You don't yeah. you do not need this. So it is completely unneeded. It is a throwaway line yeah. or couple of lines that are meant to be a non story based joke. Yes. So you've watched the You've watched the show before, and this is the first time you've seen this. Yeah, so we... I've never had them on DVD. We we bought um, some original DVDs, put them out, and this, this scene is intact on it. And it's never been intact on streaming. I'd never watched 40 Towers before they released it on Netflix about 10 years ago. Yes. And it was not on that version. So, the scene's in there, just that line's not there. Uh, pretty much the whole scene is removed, if I remember rightly. You don't see him return to the hotel, you don't see the major. It comes... Back to Basil... Put up the moose head. Basil uh, answering the phone to Sybil. Oh, okay. Wow. So he's back at the hotel, and she reminds him to put the moose head up. Because, yeah, like, there's other like stuff that the Major says here, which does seem tame, like, he, when Basil says, oh, Germans are coming, he goes, bunch of crowns. Yes. And then he says, I hate Germans, love women. <sighs> and it just feels like this is John Cleese going, what will... What would an old man who presumably fought in World War Two? Yeah, say? what would a very out of touch, very uh, uneducated man in, I think probably his 80s, say? But my thing is, what's the punchline? Yeah, well, what's the, yeah, just what's the point? Like, <laughs> Because there is no punchline with this, because it's just an old man saying horrible things. It feels like an excuse to put racial slurs on a TV show. It, it does, and the thing is, you're not laughing at him for saying it. The way it's presented, you're almost meant to weirdly laugh with him. There is, there's definitely stuff that's been released in the last 15 years. We're recording in 2013, uh, 2023. There's definitely been stuff in the last 10 to 15 years that has done this ironically, where you're supposed to think the character is a horrible person. And it's been done. Like the whole this of, is not what it is. The whole of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the whole point of that show is awful people doing saying and acting in awful ways but they are the punchline yeah because they get their comeuppance every time nothing happened nothing bad happens to the major in this episode yeah, she'd have killed over dead by the end of it <laughs> his old racist heart explodes let's move on tim i think can, that's uh... can we can we we said <laughs> our things we're gonna get called woke npc <laughs> after this now 
And, yeah, and it's, you know what? It's also, we we yeah, are. We yeah. fucking are. It's also hard for two white guys to kind of empathise as much as we probably can. Come on, so, let's get to you being snowflakes while we talk about <laughs> about this about this controversial episode. Sybil uh, rings to remind Basil to put up the moose head. And he's like, I've just got home. I'm going to do it. Jesus Christ. She says something about... Uh, I'll remind him it's an ingrown toenail. I wish it was an ingrown tongue. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, is a good little line. And again, highlights their marriage. Which is just um, hating each other, let's be real. Yeah. I still don't know how they can play the, misunderstand- the manual misunderstanding card because Basil asks him to go get a hammer. He does not understand what Basil is talking about. Yeah. He just says, right, I'll go get it. You man the desk. Basil puts the moose head on the desk and Manuel just starts cleaning. Cleaning underneath the desk. And the major returns, unfortunately. <laughs> Manuel starts like doing like a faux English. Like, I'm talking English. He's like, I learn English from a book. book. And... The major thinks the moose is talking <laughs> when Basil returns. Is this now or is this another, the later scene? It's this bit. He yeah. asks Basil where he got it from and he says, Canada, I think. And he's like, oh, normally the Japanese come up with stuff like this. That, how much did you buy it for? £12. Really? That much? <laughs> a nice light, even even though it's that same character, a nice light joke. <laughs> like the misunderstanding, thinking it's the moose talking. Like presenting him like that, senile like that, that's fine. Yeah. And in that, he is essentially the punchline. He is the butt of the joke. That's fine. Sybil rings again. <laughs> and he literally says, I'm doing it! Polly, who asks, how's the nail? And Basil says, I wish it was this one. Yes. He's in the iron nail he's going to put the moose head up with. Basil puts the moose head up and it immediately falls down. Yeah. And he like, collapses over Manuel, who's now still crouched down. Yeah. And then on top of that, the, the, a glass vase falls on his head. Just gets his ass kicked by inanimate objects, mostly. And again, the physical comedy, just perfect. Yeah, the way his legs fell as he yeah. falls. And... John Cleese, for like, as, as we mentioned, the fault that is some of the writing and some of the, the presentation, his physical comedy is... Very few people can kind of do what he does to that level. Yeah. We cut to a bit later, the moose head is finally up and then one of the antlers just, just falls off. Yeah, it just keeps falling. Basil then reminds the guests that there's going to be a fire drill. Then Polly comes to re-remind him. He's like, I know, I know there's a fire drill. Then Sybil calls and reminds him. him. He's like, I know, I know. Then Basil, so with especially older fire alarms, you don't see if you're doing a drill, you don't want to break the glass to set it off. There's a key to open the glass. He goes to get the key from the safe. In going to the safe, he sets off the burger alarm. All the guests then leave the building or try to leave the building and Basil stops and goes, that's not the fire alarm. It's the burger alarm, and they're like, "How do we know that?" <laughs> He's like, like, "There are semitone higher. They sound completely different." And then he turns on the fire alarm, and they go, "Okay, time to leave." No, 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 not now. That was just me showing you. And then like, it will start at one o'clock, and then they all just stand around. It's like, why are you standing around? It's like, we're waiting for the fire fire drill. It's like, this isn't a drill. Go and do your thing. If there was a fire, you'd obviously all be standing in the lobby here, wouldn't you? I don't know why I bother. We should let you all burn. That's what he says. It's great. And then Sybil calls again. He's like, we're doing it. <laughs> As this is all happening, Manuel starts an actual fire yes. in the kitchen. And this is where Andrew Sachs actually gets to show off his physical comedy. Yes. He's flailing his arms. He, you know, he does a really great job. There's a bit of a sad thing about this scene, though. Did he have to get burnt? Not from the fire. So the clothes that he's wearing after, yeah. where it's like it looks burnt, were chemically treated. Uh, and the chemicals burnt his skin. Oh, dear. Yeah, I think he actually got some money from the BBC for that. Good. Yeah. Jeez. Um, 
Manuel, before he catches on fire, but after the fire started, tries to leave the kitchen and Basil just kicks him back just in. throws him back in, yeah. This is like, especially if he, like Manuel, can't get verbalise his point. This must be like some crazy torture. <laughs> and then instead of, because the fire alarm, he can't get to work or whatever. He just screams at the people, fire, 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 fire. <laughs> so now he realises there is an actual fire. And he can't find the key. And Polly's like, "Why? it's an actual fire. Why are you finding the key? Break the, the glass. glass. And he just keeps failing to do it. Yeah. And then he eventually, what does he, he does it with the, oh, the phone rings again. Oh, you're going to be civil. Like, Hello. And he smashes the glass with the phone handle, which is really funny. And uh, then he gets a fire extinguisher, breaks it off, and then he just squirts it into his eyes. Well, this is the thing. It knocks him out. But it looks like just the foam hits him in the face. I think they're trying to sell that the bit flew off the top and yeah. hits him in the face. Not really what happened if you watch it. No, if you watch it, it's just water hits yeah. in the eyes. This is another time I said Cleese is the pre-Jim Carrey. Yes. There's a, the bit where he like pa- like he passes out from it. Uh, Basil wakes up in the hospital. Uh, at this point, Sybil's in a wheelchair. She says, well, thanks for coming to see me. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a bandage around his head and he's laying in bed. And he, he has, has a concussion. He has a concussion, which is interesting considering concussions in the 70s, well, they weren't as widely... like in detail known about what they are and how they affect the brain as they do. It's more than long-term effects. They yes. know. They understand that they can knock you scatty for a few days. Yeah. But it's then after that, they thought, oh, the brain just gets better. That's yeah. not what happens. <laughs> no, it's not. Take care of your brains, everyone, please. He claims that the extinguisher nearly blew his head off, but it hardly touched him as we, we touched on. <laughs> and then the, the nurse comes back, the same nurse as before. And she tries to get him back into bed as he's trying to get out, saying he needs to go back to the hotel. And he says, Don't touch me, I don't know where you've been. Yeah. <laughs> and he says to her, My God, you're ugly, aren't you? And then she says, Oh, the doctor will be here in a minute. And he says, You don't need, uh, you need you a plastic, plastic surgeon, surgeon not dear, a not a doctor. <laughs> he's such an asshole to her. To be fair, she was a dick earlier to him. Yeah. So, you know, what, what goes around comes around. Sybil then lists off all the stuff that Basil's done while she wasn't even there. So obviously she's spoken to Polly. Yeah. The doctor comes in to check on Basil, same doctor as before. He tells Basil that he um that he just needs to rest. He can't go back to work, and and Basil agrees and kind of closes his eyes and looks like he drops off. Sybil and the doctor leave, and Basil's one eye just darts open, open <laughs> yeah. in an incredible like. How is he controlling his face? Like, I know it's like that rubber face thing that Jim Carrey can do. Like I said before, just it's great. Like honestly, it's spectacular. Uh, he goes back to the hotel. And the Germans are already there. So Polly earlier in the episode has got a German phrase book and he's like, why are you bothering? Yeah. She's like, well, I want to have to talk to the guest. Her German's already pretty good. Yeah. She must be like the most intelligent person ever. Well, I don't know what's going on there. Basil comes back in and he's all over the place. <laughs> uh, one of the German guest, de- guests comes to the desk and asks Basil if he speaks German and Basil says, oh, German, I'm sorry. I thought there was something wrong with you. I have that <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, that's a lot, that's, that to me Obviously, he's got a concussion, but that, that to me, the joke is on Basil. Like, yeah, I think yeah. He is a, he's an idiot. I mean, this, this whole segment, this whole part, is just Basil, he's been not to loopy, it, he's clearly not thinking properly, and it's just him being a fucking idiot. He's, yeah, he's an arsehole. So, for some context, German guests are staying at the hotel. This is 30 years, less than 30 years that he is, from the end of the Second World War. Basil as a character, he's got to be, what, 45? Yeah. So he probably remembers it as well, so he's probably got some harboured resentment towards German people. There's a lot of, even up to the 90s, a lot of the British people, because their grand, their parents and grandparents suffered through even yeah. being soldiers or kids in the war, 
and it's only probably post 2000 that the attitude towards Germany has changed significantly. Don't get me wrong, over time it slowly was changing, but this this snapshot, yeah, really shows you how, like, you think they laughed earlier about the the lines we were saying. The the lines from the studio audience here are hysterical. Yes, and so. I live with my mother. I have no shame for that. She saw I was watching this and she said, are you watching the Germans episode? I was like, yes. She said her words, it's hilarious. Because she was a child when this came out. So Yeah, that it, makes that makes absolute sense. And she probably remembers what the attitude was to uh, Germany and German people at the time. Uh, there's a bit where Basil does a really bad German accent and it reminds me of Uncle Albert when he tells them he can speak German yeah. in Only Fools and Horses and he just speaks slowly and loudly. <laughs> Polly comes back. He says, oh, and... Polly, don't mention the war. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing he says, they're Germans, don't mention the war. Basil calls Polly Elsie, which is something the Major does earlier. Yeah. And obviously he said Elsie hasn't worked there for two years. <laughs> so now you can tell Basil is, is loopy from yes. the head wound. There's two older ladies who are permanent residents of the hotel and they come in and say, oh, we don't think you're very well, Mr. Forty. And he says, perhaps not, but I'll live longer than you. Yeah. Which was like, that's so deep. So harsh. Uh, even more German guests arrive. Yes. And then Basil says, I'll ask them if they want something to drink before the war. war. <laughs> don't mention the war. There's also a line where he goes, welcome your war. Well, may I welcome your war? Yeah. Your, your war. You, you all. Yeah. You all. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the German guests then go and go to the dining room for their and dinner. My dad's having poise, they're trying to call the, do- the doctor. They're like, "He's here! Come on, come and get him!" Yeah, he's 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 losing his shit. Uh, this is there's another, obviously not as uh, on the pulse as thing, but Basil talks about the UK joining the European Union, <laughs> uh, and he says, "I didn't vote for it myself." And I was like, "Yeah, of course you didn't, Basil. Of course you didn't." He uh, goes, "Ah, oh, we're all friends now. No need to mention the war." <laughs> like we need to just establish, okay. It's bad what he's doing, but it's so hilarious because he has at the start of the episode he's like it's just gonna be there, no, it's gonna be good, polite. Because he's lots loopy, his the real him is coming is out. coming out. And what's amazing about it is, and I think this is quite progressive considering it was less than thirty years from the end of the war. The Germans are played off as very normal. Yes, they they get upset with him. They don't. Yeah, what the people start crying? Yeah, they don't play up to any stereotypes. They genuinely are like what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? They want him to stop. And this is one of the few examples... Well, no, no, no. Say that This is a better example than earlier. Basil is the mug. Basil yes. is the fool. Basil is the, the one who you're laughing at. Yes. You're not laughing at the Germans, whereas before you were laughing at the horrible things the Major was saying. Yeah, exactly. You're not laughing... You're not laughing at him saying... Because all he's saying is the war. He just constantly says the yeah. war, right? In front of German people. And it's the situation, not the words, that's exactly, funny. yeah. If he was to mention the war... Not in front of German people. No one would laugh at that. But because there's German people there, it's awkward. Yeah, absolutely. So he takes the orders down. Two egg mayonnaise, a prawn gobbles, a Herman Goring, and four cold salads. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> like... I know that like when you get a concussion, it's that you're not meant to be able to filter yourself. But he's clearly... like Imagine if he didn't have the concussion. This is what he would be thinking even if he was taking yeah. the order. He just can't keep it in. And then... So the Germans finally like stand up to him. It's like we don't. It's like like we didn't start. It's like yes, you did. You invaded Poland. <laughs> that's that's the line that a lot of people remember. But there's still great lines before that. 
he corrects the orders that you just said. And he says, I'll get your orders, which must be obeyed at all times without question. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then he goes back out to the kitchen and says to Polly, listen, don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with yeah. it. <laughs> She's like, no, you did not. You absolutely <laughs> did not. And when, after the line you said about, you start, I didn't know we didn't, you invaded Poland. One of the Germans says, stop it. And he says, I'm trying to cheer her up, you stupid crowd. Yeah. Which is like, oh my God, Basil. <laughs> and he goes, who's this? And he does like the finger like moustache. And he goes, I know what, Gerald. I'll do the funny walk. <laughs> and again, this is another moment that was replayed as like one of the funniest moments in British. Because he's got these gangly legs. And he's got the physical. He's, he's feet. He's, so he's doing the goose step. The goose step. But his feet go above his head level. And he's tall. And that's, he is so exaggerated in his movements, and it's so gangly, and it's just insane. As he he's doing this, the doctor arrives, and Basil yeah. sees him and runs away. Yeah. As uh, Basil hits Manuel, I'm not sure why, but then the moose head falls on him, so you know, yes. justice for Manuel. But then it hits Manuel as well. Yeah. Uh, so he's unconscious now. Then Manuel says, so the moose head lands on Manuel's head. Yeah. And Manuel says something from within the head. Yeah. And the major says, thinks the moose is talking again. And the Germans have the final say in the whole episode. However, did they win? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, I don't even know who the joke's supposed to be on at that point. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I think the joke is meant to be like, if this is, if Basil is a reputation of Britain. Yeah. He has represented us poorly. Yes. He very much has. Let's 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 split the episode in two because it's not it's 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 two halves, essentially. Let's not everything up to the major's racist rant. Barely uh, like there's a couple of good gags in the first scene, not really worth writing home about. No. Then the major says the horrible things. After the major says the horrible things, what do you think of the rest of the episode? I think it's great, honestly. Cause we mentioned the show earlier, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's the biggest comparison I drew that scene to. Makes sense. Yeah. Where it's like, it's this awful person saying awful things, but he gets his comeuppance. He definitely does, yeah. And that's, I think that's what makes it funny. And what he is saying, it's, it's stupid. And I think it works better now because sensibilities have changed. Yeah. I think back then... A lot of people might have agreed with what he was saying, which is a horrifying, horrifying thought to think about. But now it's like, no, relations are better. I mean, if you weren't happy about the UK leaving the EU, you'd probably be like, yeah, what he's saying is stupid. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you voted leave, you'd probably still agree with Basil. Yes, and probably most points. Yeah, most points, but... I almost said, if you uh, uh, agree that we should have left the EU, you probably agree with a major, but I'll leave that one out. <laughs> uh, I mean, they probably do. But, so, I think, yeah, it's it's hilarious. Like, And I think it's... John Cleese is like, just facial reactions where he's seeing all these things and he's, like, looking very shocked at why the Germans are mad at him. It's just all this stuff. It's hilarious. I think he, in writing this, was maybe even trying to play both sides of the coin. Let's get the right-wing people and say some horrible things yeah. and have them laugh at that and they can even laugh at the German things and then let's get the left-wing people where Basil's like making a tit of himself in front of just normal people yeah. but comparing them to obviously the Nazi regime. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to judge. There is definitely a reason that this episode, especially the part about the Germans, is beloved. Yeah. And I think another reason it's beloved is a lot of people don't remember that scene with the manager. 
I mean, or, or even know of its existence. Yeah, it's, it probably got erased, and well, we still have peace. <laughs> yes. So we're going to move on to series two, episode two, the psychiatrists. Yes. Uh, we start with another uh, vandalized sign. Watery fowls. Watery fowls. Yes. Sybil <laughs> uh, is on the phone again. She lives on the phone. I swear. Uh, Basil is trying to get through to the speaking clock by talking to the operator, and he cannot get through. <laughs> Uh, and then Mr. Johnson arrives. Uh, Sybil starts flirting with him. And she says to him, oh, enjoy your life. You're only single once. And then Basil says, twice can be arranged. Which makes me believe that they were like high school sweethearts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they're now just stuck in a loveless marriage. Well, the word single, especially back then, didn't mean you just didn't have a partner. It meant you weren't married. Oh, okay. So even now, if you fill out an official document, if you're not married, you write single. You write single, even yeah. if you've got a partner, even if you live with that partner. I think in a lot of cases, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, Basil is trying to work in the office, which is behind the main counter. I guess distracted because Sybil's rabbiting on with Johnson, the bravest orangutan in Britain. Because <laughs> he's uh, so Johnson's got all but one button undone. I think yeah. like the bottom one, and he's got like a really hairy chest. Basil talks about how much he hates that type. <laughs> and talks about his jewelry. Yeah, and. Sybil defends him. He's like, oh, one of them's an Egyptian fertility symbol. And then Basil says, that must come in handy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, such a sarcastic bastard. Uh, yeah, he compares Johnson to a monkey. And then he starts doing, like, sly monkey impressions in front of other guests. Yeah, in front of the two doctors. There's, yes, so two doctors arrive. At first, Basil thinks it's a doctor and his wife. Yes. And then he says, no, we're both doctors. We're two doctors. Yeah. And he thinks that the man then has two doctorates. Yeah. He can't get his head around the idea that the woman is a doctor. She's a doctor also. Yeah. So Doctor, uh, Doctor and Doctor. <laughs> uh, Basil obviously fusses over them. Uh, Sybil continues to flirt with Johnson. Who chooses gum like an obnoxious prick? And she just looks so... He just looks so bored as she's just waffling at yeah, him. He's not even listening. No. She's just... waffling at him while he's trying to get through to someone on the phone. Yeah. Basil returns and keeps banging on about having doctors in the hotel and how much he loves it. He's, <laughs> he says, we've got both ends of the evolutionary scale in at the minute, don't we? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, again, referring to Johnson yeah. as a monkey. So the doctors come back down to the lobby, and as they do so, Johnson's sort of halfway through telling Sybil a joke. Is this a bit where they come down, they ask for a guidebook of the area. Yes. And they say, it's a well shortest book, like The Wit of Margaret Thatcher. So it's a guide to talking. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, Sybil laughs hysterically and Basil just stares at him. See, when I saw that I was like, is he saying that because not because Sybil laughed, but because he insulted dear Maggie Thatcher. Yes. Well maybe. <laughs> I just think I never read it as that. What I thought it was is just that he uh hates this man. Yeah. I mean I don't blame him, he he's an ass. Uh he then asks if there's anywhere to eat fresh food. And he says, yes, France, France I, I believe. <laughs> They're quite keen on it. And the swim will certainly sharpen up your appetite. Better hurry up. The tide leaves in six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so that Sometimes, obviously, the character has a lot of faults. But could you imagine having that cutting of a wit? He's the most British of men. Yeah. <laughs> Sybil points out that he's uh, the Basil to Basil. He's either very rude or he's an ass kisser. And he just says, just trying to enjoy myself. <laughs> We go to Basil serving in the dining room and he offers the doctors a free drink. Yeah, he's just kissing up to them. Yeah, he really is. And this is where he finds out what kind of doctors they are. Do you remember what the the, the lady was? She's a podiatrist, right? Paediatrician. Paediatrician, That's yes. the joke. He gets confused and thinks it's about feet. Yeah. Obviously, she's a 
a child doctor. And uh, a- and Abbott is a psychiatrist. And is that a... causes Basil to freak out. Yes. <laughs> he freaks out and runs in the kitchen. Oh no, before that actually, does he say the line of, we've had a faith healer once. Well, when we first opened up, I was like, oh, fucking faith healer. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, yeah, Basil freaks out. And he starts worrying that Sybil's going to start like blabbering about their personal life. The psychiatrist, what do you talk about? Sex. And then he, he, the two doctors are talking about holidays. Yes. And how, and how difficult it must be. So Basil comes out and they ask him, how often can you and your wife manage it? <laughs> and Basil goes, they go like, once a year, twice a year. It's like, a year? No, a week? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, two or three times a week. What's the normal amount? Yeah. And he's obviously so obsessed with the idea that they're going to talk about sex and they're just talking about holidays. He comes back out to the kitchen and said, like, I tell Sybil that they're yeah. asking about sex. He's like, no. She's like, no, they're asking about holidays. He goes, what? What? Tell them twice a week. And that's kind of the end of that scene. We go back to the, the front office and Basil uh, checks in a new guest. Yes. A young Australian lady. Yes. And he's clearly trying to not look down her top. Yes. And he immediately asked about her necklace, which is obviously a parallel yeah. to the necklaces that Johnson was wearing and him like poo-pooing them. And now he's interested. As as this is happening in the background, Johnson sneaks in with a lady. Yes. And they go run upstairs. I was going to the entire time I wrote him as Monkey Man. Monkey Man. Basil, instead of Manuel doing it, as he's his job, Basil's like, oh, I'll take you up to your yeah. room. Takes the, the Aussie girl up to her room. As they go into the room, he's showing her around and he realises the light in the bathroom doesn't work. Yeah. And he's starting to try and fix it. And she's stretching and talking about her journey. And she stands, fuck knows why, right in front of the light switch. Like, back on the light switch. Yeah. So as And Basil's not looking where he's reaching. He's trying to fiddle with the bulb. Yeah. And he reaches around, because he's got these long limbs. He yeah. reaches around the door and tries to flick the switch. Instead, just tweaks her nipple. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Sybil walks in. And just as Sybil walks in. I'm going to say this. Not a, 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 Don't get me wrong. He's being a bit weird because he's like half trying to flirt with her. Yeah. But the whole him groping it was not his fault. Yeah, that was a legitimate accident. That was her standing in the wrong place after seeing him already reach around once and try to, to do it. Sybil doesn't believe him, obviously. And then he, she does drop a line, obviously, because he was in the bathroom and she was in the thing. Yeah. Sybil says, if you're going to grope a girl, have the gallantry to stay in the room with her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite funny. Basil hears Johnson telling the same joke he told Sybil yes. earlier, but he hears a, a woman's giggle come from the bedroom. Yeah. And he knocks on the door and says, uh, guests aren't allowed their own guests after 10 after p.m. Of the opposite sex, which is obviously very uh, outdated. So you could have yeah. another man in there and they could be a couple. Yeah. And Basil would accept that. That's fine. <laughs> well, uh, he asks for champagne. So Basil sends Manuel to go get it, right? Mm. And he's instead of helping, he's just listening in. Yeah, just trying to... Hear a female voice. Yes. Basil then opens the door to the doctor's bedroom, where he's the room they're staying in, and put, uh, tries to listen through the wall. Yeah. Doesn't hear anything, but then the doctor's come back, and he's pretending he's checking the plasterboard for something. Yeah. <laughs> I know Manuel gets, like, Manuel comes with champagne and that's the knock it over and everything. Oh, so yeah, that's when, um, so he, Basil takes it off him and he's like, I'm going to knock down the door. Yeah. And he goes in and he tries to run through the door of uh, Johnson, and it's locked. Did you notice something? The whole set wobbles. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it, when he was knocking on the wall. Yeah. It was wobbling. It's obviously a, a, a regular set on a yeah. TV studio. He does at this point call uh, Manuel a Spanish ape and a continental cretin. Yes. Which is not good. But no, Manuel wasn't a, isn't a foreign idiot. No, no. No, that is not what the character is at all. 
the major then comes and tells Basil there's a psychiatrist and he seems worried about it too and rightly yeah. so because they will you know a psychiatrist may will that fucker off <laughs> Johnson lets Basil in with the champagne when the girl's hiding in the bathroom Basil empties the cigarettes into his hand and looks at the butts to try to see if there's lipstick on yeah. them Basil then goes into the Aussie girl's room which is the other side of Johnson to try and listen yeah. again not realising she'd gone to sleep on the bed she screams this causes uh, Sybil and everyone else to come see what's going yeah. on he's constantly getting himself in trouble with her Sybil obviously gets more annoyed and he's just like I'm doing the walls he's checking the walls again and this is where him uh, he grabs my well and says we're going to go get a ladder and he's going to go look from the outside yeah. into the room to try and catch Johnson with this woman but then he accidentally <laughs> looks in room 5 he accidentally puts the ladder up to the, the doctor's room yeah. yeah and then he pretends to do the same thing that he's yeah. doing on the plasterboard on the window <laughs> and then the ladder falls and it goes goes backwards like uh he, I, I put he sells it like when Christian falls off the ladder in TLC. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Australian woman goes, like, yeah, yeah, he was just trying to check the walls. And she's like, go, oh, clearly that's not it. Storm sound just slaps him. Manuel gets Basil in more trouble by saying he's just trying to see the girl. Yeah, just trying to see the girl. Obviously what he means is the girl in Johnson's room, but she thinks he means the Aussie girl. So that's why she slaps him, yeah. Yeah. And then there's another one where... So goes, if you want to go grope the guest, at least be honest about it. There's uh, another bit where, so uh, Basil picks up Manuel and yeah. shakes him. And that's that's a clip that's been clipped a, a ton of times. Yeah. And used, because uh, like Andrew Sachs keeps his body very stiff. And like when John Cleese shakes him, he's like, almost like a fucking wooden board. He's like wobbles. Yeah. Bit, but, yeah. It's impressive. So Basil's still determined to catch Johnson out. So he doesn't sleep for the whole night. No. He stays outside their room watching. Polly goes to bring ba- uh, Sybil her morning tea, but Basil takes it off her and says, I'll do it. Yeah. To try to get back in Sybil's good book, but uh, that ain't happening. He hears a woman's voice in the Johnson's room again. He goes running over, and it turns yeah. out that the uh, paediatrician doctor was actually the one in there returning the guidebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the psychiatrist watches this, he says, There's enough material in here for an entire conference. Which is like, Well, yeah, yeah, Basil is, is a lunatic. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Basil's still not content. He still wants to catch Johnson. Yeah. So he goes and hides in like a cleaning cupboard and he somehow gets like black mess on his hand. Yeah. And he hears a woman coming out and he jumps out the cupboard and goes to grab her and it turns out it's the Aussie woman. And he puts her hand. Right on her chest. Yeah. There's a handprint and Basil's got a black hand. Yeah, that's when the line, if you want to grope the guest, at least be honest about it. Yes. Because like, then, no matter what you say, how that looks... So she says something, uh, she's like, he says, hi dear, just checking the doors. And she says, do you think a girl like this would be interested in an ageing, brilliantine, stick insect like you? It's like, there you go, cutting. He is a stick insect. He is, <laughs> he is. Such a gangly man. Basil snaps at Sybil and tries to force her to watch as he confronts Johnson. Johnson claims that it's his mother in the room. And it, it turns out that it, is. now his mother is in the room and somehow the young lady has disappeared. In all the kerfuffle, she slipped out. So as for it, she rapidly aged. So, oh, she rapidly aged, yes. <laughs> and as the doctors return, Basil pulls his entire suit jacket over his head yeah. and starts hopping around like a frog. This <laughs> in a, insane. In another brilliant kind of physical comedy moment. And that's it. That is the end of Series 2, Episode 2, The Psychiatrist. What do you think of this episode, Tim? I think I think it's good. This was shockingly the longest episode, actually. There's only a couple of minutes in it, isn't there? But it yeah. is, yeah. It's about 32 minutes, and the others are all like 29, 30. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the set... Because I feel like with these, the story like splits in 
too hard. Like, there's a halfway point where it's clear, like, now we're telling this story. Yeah. I feel like the story of trying to catch Johnson drags a bit too much. It's a very old-fashioned thing to do to split. Like, sitcoms, like, Only Fools and Horses does it a yeah. lot. Kind of 70s and 80s sitcoms do it a lot, where there's two stories, and there's a first half story and a second yeah. half story. Because you've had an idea that you can't maybe fill out into half an hour. Yeah. So you cram the two ideas together and make one story. Yeah. And they, but what modern stuff does is rather than splitting it like that, if you've got two stories, they overlap them into yeah, an A and a B. Yeah, rather an A and than... B story, which I find is a much better thing. Cause then it helps with pacing. And also yeah. you can interlink them towards the end. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just go, oh, this happened to me. Isn't that hilarious? But sometimes if you do it cleverly, you can interlink them, which is... Yeah, for both, sure. But this is like build up, build up, build up. Okay, now we introduce the Australian lady and Basil's trying to find out what Johnson is hiding. And I think that drags out too long. I would, I found the stuff with the Australian lady really funny. Especially with you the could idea. probably cut like three minutes from it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think the stuff with him accidentally being a creep and trying to convince Sybil I'm not doing this on, on purpose is actually quite hilarious stuff, especially considering how sort of bastard Basil is. It's like he's getting his comeuppance for something that's actually not his fault. He's like 90% innocent. He clearly does perv on the girl a little bit, yeah. but he's not actively actually trying to grope her. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, yeah. So stuff like that's fine. I, yeah, I think it, a few things could have just been trimmed down and it probably could have been like a tight, exactly playing the episode. I'm sure there's, if you go like the UK Gold version probably does, because they, they, they trim stuff for time. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a version that you might prefer out there. <laughs> Director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got one more episode to talk about. Series 2, episode 4, The Kipper and the Corpse. Yes. Uh, we start with another sign. Fatty Owls. Fatty Owls. I wonder how long they spent doing anagrams of Faulty Towers. <laughs> well, they also removed some words, as well, like letters as well. Well, yeah. You can't add letters, but you can definitely yeah. take them away. <laughs> like Fatty Owls, there's no E in there. Yeah. So the kid who's been fucking with it has obviously stolen them. Yeah. <laughs> we start in the bar with the Major... So this is the um, first time I saw that room. It's like, the dining room looks different. That's the bar. It's a different yes. room. Yes. It's on the other side, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's the opposite side to the yeah. to the dining room. This is like behind the reception. And yeah, then yeah. The, the, the dining room is the other side of the yes, building. Yeah, yeah. And the major's talking to this woman who's got a fucking yappy little dog. And she's a, clearly a mad... You know you get them like mad dog people. Yeah. And you know, the major says, what breed is he? And he, she says, he's a little sit Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, that's it. He goes, what is he? She says, he's a little shit suit. He goes, oh dear, oh dear. What breed is he? Yes. <laughs> Basil fobs off because the woman's like making demands on behalf of the dog. And he yeah. fobs off. He's like, I'm not doing that. Manuel can deal with the dog. <laughs> Dr. Price comes to the bar and he is played by Jeffrey Palmer, who actually sadly died in 2020. But as uh, you mentioned earlier, he's in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. In James Bond. He's in a ton of stuff. He's... I don't think he's ever been like a big lead in anything. He's no. a bit of a British kind of TV and film institution. He's he just appears a lot. He's been in like multiple episodes of Doctor Who as like different characters. Probably in the original and the remake, I would have yeah. thought. Yeah. But yeah. Price asks if he can order food, but the kitchen's closed. Sybil asks Basil if she can make the doc uh, make a sandwich for someone. He's like gets annoyed, and then when he realizes it's for the doctor, he's like, Oh yes, of course, of course. And of just course. gives himself a little slap. Yeah. He continues to berate the dog. Basil talks to a couple who then leave. Yeah. And I said this couple are a mad mismatch. They look like Laurel and Hardy. The bloke is small and squat yeah. and fat. The the woman's tall and skinny and about half of his age. It's like this can't... I, at first you get father and daughter, 
but no they're actually like all coupley and holding each other but this is weird this must be a like a, a an affair of some description this doesn't feel right basil gets the doctor a sandwich and sybil's on the phone again yeah i just put gossiping just gossiping yeah this weird couple that come to the that i just mentioned come to the desk and they get their their key and that's the thing that i don't hotels will do it for you but it's not the standard anymore yeah. now back then you i think you used to leave you could didn't leave the hotel with the key yeah you go here's my room key i'll be back at six and you get it <laughs> It just doesn't happen anymore. You take the key with you. Yeah. Well, because now, especially because they're like cards. Most, they? Mostly yeah, they're, cards. They're yeah. cards. Have yeah. you ever been in a hotel where your card will power your room? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I was in... It's just a connection for a circuit. Yeah. Because yeah. I was in Rome four years ago. And... I find it well annoying. It's annoying. It's, it is frustrating. But we were given two. And the hotel receptionist was like, Keep one here, leave it in the circuit because it'll turn on the air conditioning. Yeah. So she said, when you get back, your room will be nice and cool. And we did that. It was a great experience ever. If you've ever been to Rome in the summer, it's hell. So when we, uh, me and my wife went to Italy, we did that. We did a little tour around Italy and we left the aircon on in every room. So some, uh, a group of people reappear. One of them is, turns out to be a guest. He's got a bad stomach. He gets his uh, key and goes back off to his bedroom. But before that, he asks for breakfast in bed. His name's Mr. Lehman. Yes, Mr. Lehman. He orders kippers, which is fucking weird, man. Fish for breakfast is bizarre. Yeah. That's all sarcastic again. Uh, he's asked, he asked him what he wants his tray made out of. Yeah. And then he asks, he says he doesn't even have to wake up. If you fall asleep with your mouth open, I'll just pour it in. Yeah. So then um, the lady with the dog, she's now in the dining room. So this is breakfast time now. Yeah. We're back at breakfast time and she's in the dining room. These kind of people, they do exist, and they fucking blow my mind. Oh, they like, me. This, this needs to be an exact certain temperature for a dog. Have you ever tried to give it... You give a dog anything. Chocolate is poison to them. Yeah. They should know this. They will fucking eat that. They don't give a shit. Dogs will eat anything. And she's like, it has to be a certain temperature. And they're... Like, this dog would eat its own shit. And like, there needs to be a pillow for him. Oh. Manuel doesn't understand what she's asking, but then Polly does explain it in Spanish. Yeah. This is the only scene that I think gives credence to the idea that he just doesn't understand the English. Yeah. Because when Polly explains it in Spanish, she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he goes and gets it. This almost immediately gets undone. I know. <laughs> Although Polly now speaking Spanish and German, Renaissance woman. <laughs> just let Polly run the hotel. Yeah. Baz- uh, Manuel then like misunderstands the instructions yet again. He tries to put the pillow on the table when she says yeah. put it on the table and puts the food under the dog's, chi- yeah. on the dog's chair. It's all the thing. Basil goes to the kitchen and sees that the kippers are expired and the chef's like, they're fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Manuel actually looks pissed off by serving the dog, which I do not blame him. I mean, uh, that is like the most demeaning thing because she's yeah. treating the dog like it's a person. Yeah. Well, this is a... And treating Manuel like he's lesser than a dog. Less than the dog, yeah. Especially Shih Tzu's. They're terrible dogs. If it was, was a, if it was a Border Collie, you know, Border Collies are better than a lot of humans. <laughs> <laughs> is that your favourite breed of dog? Oh, yeah, Border Collies are the best. Uh, my, um, mine is mine is beagle they're they're little scamps but if you train them well loveliest dog only problem with beagles is they're a bit yappy but they're, they're i mean bit... have you ever have heard a husky howl it's terrifying <laughs> yeah and you have to walk them like four times a day so yeah like i can do that uh the dog bites uh manuel yeah and then the woman says to him do you not have dogs in calcutta like this is racism on a weird level that i do not understand <laughs> It's and I, I that's how they sometimes say right like older people like very like they say racial racist remarks and like like oh but they're old. <laughs> it's like oh no excuse. 
No, she is. Uh, Do better. She asks, so she orders sausages for the dog and she asks them to be cut up. But Polly misunderstands, which is another thing that I like in the favour of Manuel isn't an idiot. It's just misunderstanding because Polly yeah. misunderstands her as well. Because Polly reaches across and starts cutting up her eggs. Yeah. Uh, and then Polly's like, oh, I'll, I'll do it in the kitchen. She takes the dog's sausages away <laughs> and cuts them off in the kitchen and covers them in Tabasco sauce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bangers a la bang, she calls it. Basil takes the kippers up to the room, but he doesn't want to. One, he doesn't want to serve the guy in his bed, yeah. and two, he's still worried about them being out of date, even though the chef said it'll be fine. Basil lets himself into Lehman's room. And he's uh, obviously dead. Yeah. He's banging on about the car industry and the strikes. Yeah. Relevant. Now, again, relevant. Lehman is clearly already dead. The audience clearly notices straight away. Who sits up like that anyway? And his know. eyes are wide open. He comes in, he opens, he puts the, the tray on his lap, he opens the curtain, keeps talking as well, and then leaves. And then he goes, what was that? Oh, oh, never mind. And he goes, what was that? Oh, thanks for breakfast. Not at all, don't mention yeah. it. Because <laughs> obviously he doesn't reply. Yeah. Although, if he dies sound like that, he's going to get a bad neck even before he died. That was a weird way to sit. Clearly just so the audience can see him. Yeah. But it's such a weird way to sit. It's, it's hilarious because he's just stiff as a board. Uh, Basil comes downstairs and complains that uh, Lehman didn't say a word and was yeah. really rude. Uh, he tells Polly. Uh, Polly realizes he forgot the milk and says she'll take it up. Yeah. Basil goes out into the dining room. <laughs> he tells them he's going to hit the guests, yeah. <laughs> which I think is funny. Polly comes back down and tells them Lehman is dead. Polly and Sim will run off to check, and Basil returns to the kitchen and asks, uh, "What's wrong with that dog?" Obviously, he started eating the Tabasco yeah. sausages. <laughs> Chef and Manuel tell Basil that Lehman is dead, but Basil first misunderstands, thinking it's the dog. He's like, no, the dog's definitely alive. Yeah. And then he realises, no, Lehman. And he's like, we could get 20 years for this. Because he thinks it's the, the kippers, yeah. yeah. And then they realise, like, the kippers have been untouched, like he's been dead for hours. And he goes, I'm so happy. Hooray! <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> like, this is such an arsehole. Um, they asked the doctor, who was at the bar yesterday, to come up and see him. And the doctor's like, yeah, he's been dead for hours. Uh, Basil's still trying to hide the kippers for some reason. This is a kipper hut sticking out of your jumper. I don't, I don't understand also, then they try to cover up the fact that Basil didn't notice. Don't get me wrong, it's shitty that he didn't notice. Yeah. But not a crime. <laughs> That's it. It's like, he's just an idiot. Yeah. I did say this, though, that I could fully well, if I was tired and just done with it for that day, fully feel that I could ignore someone that much. <laughs> And especially if you're already like not a fan of this person. Yeah, if they've already annoyed you by demanding breakfast in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Basil has a bit of a breakdown trying to defend himself, still has a kipper sticking out of his yeah. uh, jumper. They tell them they're going to contact the morgue, yeah, the, the undertakers. undertakers yeah. But uh, Basil decides that the because the, the, the hotel is fully booked for the next night, he needs to get the body out. Yeah. So they start. They cover the body in blankets and try to take yeah. it out. And then an old lady, Miss one Tibbs. of the yeah, Miss Tibbs, one of the blankets falls off, and she tries to help and put it back on. Then the whole thing falls off, and she really sees the dead body and screams and passes out. Yeah. <laughs> now doesn't Polly knock out? Knock oh no, out. that's it. Polly doesn't knock her out. She's hysterical. Polly slaps her. That, yeah. would, that slap wouldn't have knocked her out. I think she passes out from the hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> Polly just happens to slap. And then Bowser goes, two dead, twenty-five to go." <laughs> <laughs> so now they drag the two bodies. Into this couple's room, this Welsh couple's room. Yes. And at that point, that's when the guests reappear and try to go into their room. And Polly tries to like divert them by saying yeah. she dropped her ring, and then stand in front of the door, being like, uh, "Basil will get your coat. He's just cleaning up." <laughs> and then she's like, "Basil, the guests are here. They want to come in." He goes, "Oh no! Wait a minute!" <laughs> so they hand them. She handed the coat through the door first. Yes. Yes. 
and then they say they want to come in to get something else. Yeah. So Basil hides the dead body and the body of Miss, and the unconscious body of Mrs. Tibbs in the wardrobe. Yeah. Then uh, Miss Tibbs starts like moaning because she's woken up. So Manuel starts to sing <laughs> to drown out the moan, and then Basil and Polly join in. Yeah, see, Basil isn't as maybe Manuel isn't as dopey as they make out. He's trying yeah. to help. Uh, the old lady then comes out and tries to like scream, like saying about the body and how horrible yeah. it is. And Polly just like cradles her, tries to cover her. Yeah. But, Keeps saying sentences with the word arm in them because yeah. the arm falls out of the yeah. wardrobe. Anything have happened with the corpse in there? Oh, that's that's yeah. So she, Mrs. Fulty's talking to Mrs. Tibbs in her bed and making her a cup of tea. Yeah, she says, Anything could have happened. And Sybil says, Well, he was dead. Yeah, and she says, A man's a man, Mrs. Fulty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, the Welsh couple are leaving to go to another hotel. Yes, uh, and we can blame them. No, not at all. Basil and Manuel carry the body down to the office while Polly keeps a lookout. Yeah. And the major comes into the office with the dead body sat on a chair. And he asks what he's doing. He's like, he's dead. It's like, shot, was he? Yeah. But why was like, why would Fawlty tell him? I don't know. Maybe the major's an old war guy, like a veteran. Maybe he feels like he could handle it. That's true. The old lady then, Mrs. Tibbs then... Goes find, into the office and uh, just screams and collapses again. Finds the body again. But at first, actually, Basil goes to the kitchen and tries to hide from her. Yeah. And then here's the screams. Oh, God damn it. And then Sybil asks why you left the body in the office. And he said, well, he wouldn't fit in a safe and the drawers were all full. Yeah. And then they take they take the body outside and the two guests, they're like driving away. And they see him and they get distracted by him as they go, oh, no, we've got to go back inside with the body now. Yeah. And they crash their car. Yeah, so the, the Welsh couple crash their car because they see the body. Basil and Manuel put the body... This is where they put it into the kitchen, and the this is the the lady comes in and says her dog's now seriously ill. Please yeah. call a vet. Basil just ignores her, and then the doctor goes, "I'm a doctor and I want my sausages." <laughs> so yeah, the doctor has been waiting for his breakfast for some time now. So the, the body's in the kitchen, and the doctor comes in and says, "That's not hygienic. You yeah. can't have a body here. You'll need to scrub everything." And they put him in the washing basket. Yeah, and he says, "But you can do my sausages first. I'll take the risk." Yeah. <laughs> So they put the body into the giant wash basket. Yeah. And Manuel then goes out to the dining room and sees that the doctor's waiting on his own. He's like, no, breakfast is over. And he tries to clear the table. He's like, I've not had my breakfast yet. Yeah. I was dealing with... <laughs> yeah. And they, they almost have like a sibling-esque row, but he's chasing Manuel around the table. Yeah. Uh, Basil comes in and he tells Basil's like, this idiot's trying to take everything away. And Basil's like, uh, again, I'm assuming... No, he To explain to, to Manuel that did, breakfast is still on for the doctor, yeah. he pokes him in the eye. That's him explaining it. Straight to the point. <laughs> Lehman's group uh, arrive and asks where he is. And Basil thinks they're the Undertakers. Uh, but before that, though, he's like, oh, no. And he, like, lies on the, the wash yeah, bottle seductively. On... Yeah. Like, like a French girl. <laughs> As they say in well, Titanic. Isn't yes. It? Yeah, he thinks they're the Undertakers. And then there's, like, a confusion. And he goes to show them the body. And it's empty. Yeah. And he realises that the people, the company that do the washing have then taken away yeah. Lehman's body in the wash basket. The doctor smells the burning of the sausages for a second time, and he goes and checks and throws them in the bin and yeah. says these are burnt. And what I like about that is he just starts helping himself. And he just makes himself like respect to him. They go and get the body back, and they still start moving him around yeah. again. They try to take him back upstairs. They go into a bedroom, and there's a man blowing up a sex doll. Yeah, <laughs> that man. They name the character after someone who John Cleese considered a friend who gave Forty Towers a bad review. So the character is named after someone. Jesus. <laughs> Don't piss off John Cleese. No, no. They then go to go 
into. They uh, try to take it into the kitchen. They see that the doctor's making his sausages together. They go, okay, we can't put him in there. Yeah, and they also go into another bedroom, and there's a lady asleep on the bed, and Polly yeah. like throws the duvet over and goes, nope, 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 yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Manuel, they come back downstairs after no, they leave the kitchen, and Manuel's like, I'm done, I'm exhausted, I can't do yeah. it. And he goes, Mr. Forty, I don't want to work here yeah. anymore. And I'm like, Man, how is it taking this long, Manuel? I know. And then he goes and puts himself in the linen yeah. basket. Like, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Sybil, in this time, has taken the time to tactfully tell uh, Mr. Lehman's friends that he has passed away. Yeah. And Basil has sat the body on the coat rack. Yeah. And one of his friends wants his hat off the coat rack. Locking the body. Uh, the old lady, uh, Mrs. Tibbs, comes in to speak to Basil. Yeah. The... Dog owner comes in and says the dog has died from the Tabasco. Yeah. Um, the doctor then comes in and says the sausages are off. Yeah. Uh, Basil, so there's now a crowd of people. He's getting overwhelmed and yeah. he just points them in the direction of Sybil. Says, if you want an explanation, my wife will give it to you. And as they all rush towards her, he dives into the laundry basket just as the laundry men come and carry it away. Yeah. <laughs> While Sybil screaming, Basil, Basil. And Miss Tibbs sees the corpse one last time and screams. And the Major stands next to it and talks to it. <laughs> <laughs> Ask what's going on. It's such a chaotic ending. In a and weird... the final shot, it's just the van driving away. In a weird way, I feel like there's still two episodes after this. That If that was the last episode, the idea that Basil just quits... It's like the perfect li- ending. He, if he just left 40 Towers in the back of a laundry truck and never came back... That would be... I think that would be a better ending. That would be, like, the top ending. I think so, because you have... um, We have Manuel doing the same thing as well. Like, him, like, saying, I don't want to do this anymore. So he's already losing Everyone star. quits, just leaving Sybil yeah, on her own exactly. while with Molly. Uh, what did you think of uh, this episode? It's my favourite episode. <laughs> it is one of the best episodes of 40 Towers. It's absolutely brilliant. Because it does nothing offensive. We should stress that. So, yes. Apart from Manuel. A minor Manuel incident, yes. There's nothing offensive about it. It's just hijinks. And I think that's what's the best part about it. And, and it's non-stop as well. The pace doesn't slow. Yeah, it never lets up. And I think... I think it was good that I watched this episode last. Because I watched it in chronological order. Yeah. Because as you said, it feels like an ending. So as does. I watched it, like, yeah, done. You could not watch the last two episodes or put this after them and be yeah. like, yeah, fine. Yeah, I, I felt... Perfectly satisfied. I found there was like nothing wrong with this episode to me. No, it was great pace. They're carrying that body around for about 20 minutes out of the 30 minutes of the episode and it doesn't yeah. stop being funny. Yeah, because it, it's like the perfect episode where even like the serious doctor is being like an immature person. I want my sausages. Exactly. <laughs> so, overall thoughts. For, thoughts on Faulty Towers. <laughs> so, I think it's a good show. I can understand why it is still relevant in the public consciousness. But. That is that but. And it's a big but. <laughs> Baby got back. <laughs> it, ha- it has that cloud hanging over it of, you can tell it was written in the 70s where it, it's very problematic. Oh, it's so bad, isn't it? And um, I think, I genuinely, I think if I'd have picked not to show you the Germans episode, it showed you something else, you would have said, yeah, it's a tad problematic. Yeah. It's th- that one episode. It's that episode. Like, I feel like, yeah, they're smart already in having cut out that scene with the Major. Mm-hmm. I think that has been a smart decision. Yeah. Uh, but even, like, the rest of the German stuff, as we said, it's still very, like, ooh. But, that's with him being the punchline, yeah. it's funny. 
it's not as bad as some other shows, British shows, I think. The biggest example is Little Britain. Yes. It's not as bad which as that. Which was done in the 2000s. Yes, is, early crazy 2000s, to think. yeah. yeah. I, it's not as bad as that, because it's just that one bit. But that bit is so massively, like, whoa. Yeah. You have You have to address it or remove it. And there's an argument to both sides. But I think them removing it so far has been the smarter choice. I do as well. I think there is two there's two ways you can do it and it's so bad and so unnecessary that the best thing is to remove it. Yeah, because well as you said it has been removed and I don't think it would disrupt the pace. No. You wouldn't even if you'd never again, until we rewatch these new versions, I had no idea that existed. Yeah. Like, I first watched Forty Towers like thirteen years ago. Yeah, so yeah. that's it's fascinating to me. There is uh, one more note. <laughs> John Cleese recently made a public apology because he declared that he was going to write a sequel where Basil finds out that he's got a long-lost daughter and they try to run a hotel together. But the backlash was incredibly severe. He actually made some uh, an apology that some people considered a bit over the top for what he's apologising for because people wanted it to be left alone. Yeah. And he put out like a sincere apology saying, oh, I just really wanted to do something with my daughter. No. There's already like so many like, legacy sequel stuff. Yeah, I don't think making a sequel to Forty Towers would harm the legacy of it. No, because anything that's especially uh, fifty years removed. Yeah, that's how a lot. That's the difference in time, right? You can go. It's not the same thing. So if you yeah. just wanted to ignore the new one, just ignore it. Exactly. And like, if it doesn't do good, it's it's not going to like. It'd be one season done. Yeah, I'm sure like with open all hours and still open all hours, people will ignore the still open all hours because it's not yeah. as well received. Exactly. So I think it's fine to do. I don't... And also, yeah, just let the man make comedy. Like, yeah. okay, he just has problematic issues, but it's still funny and he still has a mind for comedy. And if it's and strong, please. Don't get me wrong. In the last 50 years, he's definitely grown with it because although he tries to defend it, I don't think he'd write something like that now. No. Um, He did... <laughs> I went recently. I went and saw Jim Jeffries do stand up. Yes, and he tells a story about how John Cleese was writing a uh, script for a movie that was set in Australia, and he wanted an Australian comedian to kind of Aussie it up. Yeah, and Jim uh, Jim Jeffries says all I did was say put a good day there, put a good day there. <laughs> so he's still writing, and this yeah. is a uh, like that stand up show is the one that Jeffries is touring now. Yeah, and he talks about it, they were writing it during COVID, so only a couple of years ago. So he is still actively trying to uh, produce stuff. Yeah, and. I think he he should, and I think he should make the sequel. I don't think it's going to happen after all that faff. It won't, but I still think he should at least go fuck it. I don't really know what you would do, but did you do any uh, extra credit? I can't think of anything to do. The only thing, because I was trying to think that things around Faulty Towers. The only thing I know about that exists, and I feel like you've probably seen posters for it in London, is the live dining experience. But you're not willing to drop 200 quid. No. <laughs> I do not blame you. <laughs> but it is mad that that kind of thing exists. Yeah, and that speaks to how this is still big in the public consciousness. Mm. But the one thing that we haven't mentioned is only 12 episodes. 12, yeah. Two series, six episodes each. The BBC asked for more, I believe, and he said no. He said, I've not got enough for another six that I consider of the quality yeah. and I'm not doing it. And fair enough, because I feel like this is a show like 12 episodes is enough. Oh, yeah. And I think the show, like, clearly everyone has agreed, because those 12 episodes, people still talk about the show. So clearly 12 is enough, because I feel like if he did a 
extra six. That's the first season might have been so bad and might have tainted the other two because it's so it's, recent. It's something America. that I think that British sitcom writers are better at than American is knowing when to stop. Yeah. Two, three, four, a push series. And then only I mean, one British series I can think that went on longer and kept maintained its quality is Friday Night Dinner. Yes. Yeah. I can say, well, it's controversial. Red Dwarf. It's original run. The original seven series, yeah. Wasn't it? Eight, oh, sorry. Yeah, eight. Eight yeah. series, sorry. Yeah. Original eight series run. Great. You can talk about quality, like when Rimmer left her a bit. Yeah. Like maybe that was a drop off. I still think Christine Kachansky was a great character. Yeah. But... Red Dwarf's great. We are definitely going to. We've been discussing how to do episodes that are stuff that one of us, that we both enjoyed in the yeah. past. And we're, we're, we're looking around ideas so we can bring in some other stuff. Yeah, because there are some shows I feel like we'd love to do just a retrospective on, especially considering the age difference between us and how we both interpret it. I think there's, yeah, I think we could definitely talk about stuff that we already both enjoy. Yeah, and Red Dwarf is on, on that list. On that list because <laughs> we're both fans, yes. Oh, such a great show. Um, so let's uh, wrap this one up and I'm going to ask you what uh, I'm going to be, well, what we're going to be talking about in two weeks. So I decided we're going to go back to the world of video games. Lovely. And you recently got a Steam Deck, haven't you? Yeah, I have indeed. You're enjoying it? I love my Steam Deck, yes. Well, I'm going to put your Steam Deck to the test. Not in terms of graphics, in terms of high-octane gameplay. Okay. We're going to go to the world of Metal Gear. Okay. Do you know anything about Metal Gear? I have a vague memory of playing some of the first one back on the PS1. Okay, well, Metal Gear is normally renowned for itself. But we're going to be playing Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which is turning 10 years old, actually. Oh, okay. And this is a high-octane hack-and-slash game. Okay. It's honestly one of my favourite games. I have sunk over hundreds of hours into it. Jesus. Which is shocking, because it's a really, really short game. Yes, it is available on Steam, so you'll be receiving this code for that. Awesome, thanks, I look forward to it. And if you at home want to play it, you can play it either on Steam or on Xbox 360 and PS3. If you've still got those consoles. My, P- my Xbox 360 is still holding up. Yeah, mine does as well. Mine still works just fine. Uh, that's it from us this episode. I'm Bobby Davis. You can find me on Instagram at bdavis underscore creative. My co-host is Tim Martini. And you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at... The Tim Martini. The Tim Martini. The Tim Martini. I am very vain. And if you want to follow us, uh, the podcast, on socials, we are CC Society Pod on Instagram. And Tim has been doing a great job at running our TikTok. So CC Society Pod there as well, right? Yes, we are. We did a video about Detective Pikachu, about our favourite scene in the movie, Mr. Mime. Oh, Mr. Mime. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to email us, uh, we are ccsocietypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.